The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Where do you in your life right now need a rinse or a trim? Where do you need a rinse or a trim? And I'm not just asking that because yesterday I'm, I didn't get a chance to get my hair cut like I normally would uh, on Saturday at 11.30. My, I, I reached out to my barber just to confirm my appointment, and he said, I can't do it today. I said, what? I mean, I like, I like it cut razor tight, and I want to come in here looking my best, and I don't. And so I, I know, it might, you might think it's just on my mind, but I wrote this sermon before I'm, I didn't get my hair appointment. But, you know, what in your life needs to be rinsed or trimmed? It needs to be cleaned out or cut off. And then how do you respond? How do you respond to a rinse and a trim? Most of you, that you like that. How do you respond to the cleaning out and the cutting off? So what, right now, what, what needs to be rinsed and trimmed and cleaned and cut? And how do you do with that? You know, often I tell stories about my kids because quite frankly, it's easy There's a lot of content, and it constantly is being created fresh. And so, you know, the younger guys, the boys, they, you know, I I just, my attitude is just let them go outside and play. And I used to not let them go out beyond the fence where we've got woods, and now I don't care. Just (laughs) go get lost. And, uh, And so, you know, inevitably, though, you know, you go out and play, you play in the woods, you come back. Nasty. And, uh, and so what do you do? You know, they come in, they're all, you know, filthy. We're like, hey, take off your boots, take off your clothes, put, make sure you put it away. And of course, then they're leaving a mess. And now we're at the point where I can tell them, hey, you clean up after yourselves, you clean the floor, you clean up the mess, and then go get in the shower. Only when they get in the shower, I think it's also playtime. And so they don't do as good of a job as they should. And so every once in a while, and Laura's usually one, say, Patrick, you, you got to check on them to make sure they're actually scrubbing. You know, because I'm like, whatever. And uh, so I go and I check on them. And like some, some days, it's funny, you go in there and you look at them and they're like, they've literally still, like they've showered for five minutes and there's still like dirt on their legs, dirt on their arms. And I'm like, dude, you didn't even try, did you? And they're like laughing, having a good time. So I'm like, you know, then I grab, I'll make it worse. Because I'm like, dude, you, you would rather scrub yourself than daddy have to scrub you? So then I scrub, right? Because there's things that have to get scrubbed off. There's stuff that sticks that needs to get scrubbed. And then I'm also the one that does the haircuts. So you're starting to feel, see your pattern here. So, and you know, I could only do one type of haircut. It's the same kind of haircut I get. If you ever see me with my boys, we all have the same look. It's because it's the only haircut I know. And so I can can trim the sides and I can leave it a little long on top, but that's it. There's one haircut and Daniel, he wants his hair long. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how to do the long thing. Like, I don't know how to, I mean, I, you think you just let it grow, but you know, you still want it to look kempt. It's, I, I don't know how to do that. So I just, I, so we know how to scrub, we know how to clean, we know how to trim. And for some of you, you ladies, you like it. I mean, this is your time. You go to the salon, they wash your hair, then they trim your hair. I think, I think that's how it goes. Um, they wash and they trim. And man, that, that's just, that's pampering right there. Sometimes when you get your, hail, your, your nails done, again, I think, I, I think maybe they wash your hands and then they scrub your hand and then do they, do they trim them and then they, whatever. I think I'm, I'm venturing into a world I'm not real familiar with, but I, I know the idea of rinsing and trimming and then there's times when stuff has to be cut off. And, and for me, there, there's things I like when it comes to clipping and trimming. 
I like mowing my lawn, and that would feel good right about now. Right? Snow coming down. I, I like the idea of thinking about summer and needing to cut the lawn. But you know, like I'm one of those perfectionist kind of guys. I don't know if any of you are like this. You have like, I want my lawn. I like straight lines, and I want to cut them this way and that way. And like, man, you, and when I'm finished, I just look back, and I'm like, that looked good. For a few minutes until the boys start running their bikes through the yard, I'm like, you just wrecked all my nice straight lines. But that's all right. I, there's times when trimming and cutting, it's good. It's necessary. It's, it's right. And, and so obviously I'm gonna apply this to our lives and I'm like, what, what dirt, what filth has stuck to your life that needs to get scrubbed off? And then what, what stuff needs to just be trimmed off? It's growing, but it needs to be trimmed off. Maybe there's busyness that needs to be clipped, bad habits or bad attitudes that need to be trimmed away. But we resist, don't we? We don't like that. Just like my youngest one, he still doesn't like getting in the shower because he doesn't like the idea of the soap getting in his eyes. And I tell him all the time, it's tear-free, but he's not convinced after all these years. And so he'll still resist getting in the shower. And some of you are resisting the showering. I don't mean physically, fortunately. You all look good, even those of you online. I'm just gonna believe that you look good and that the reason why you're online is not because you didn't shower and decided not to come out. Um, but here's the deal, right? Some of us are resisting the washing and the scrubbing. Jesus, before he went to the cross, him and his disciples, they go to an upper room where he washes their feet. Now, this was a normal custom in ancient Israel in most places because, you know, they wore open-toed open shoes on dirty roads where cows and horses and all kinds of other animals walked and they do their business and then you walk on it and you got it on your feet. And so as not only tradition, but as custom and out of respect, when you went into a home, the servant would be there to wash your feet. And if there wasn't a servant, the youngest child would wash the feet. Some of you youngest, you're like, hey, wait, that would have been my job, gross. Um, and so Jesus goes, he brings his disciples to the upper room, but nobody's there to wash anybody's feet. And nobody thinks they're the youngest or the servant. So all of their feet are left unwashed and there's a little stench that starts to lift up in the room and they're supposed to eat. So Jesus pauses he goes over and he grabs the basin of water and a towel and he kneels down. And he begins to wash each of their feet. After he washes their feet, he puts the basin back and he says, just like I washed your feet, that's what you gotta do. Now don't panic. Thank you. Some of you are like, wait, what? Are we gonna do that? No, no, no. It was a, it was a picture. He said, I'm your servant. I want you to serve others the way I serve you. I don't think I'm better than you, even though I'm the son of God. I don't put myself above you. I want you to serve others. And then he, and then they begin to take the Passover meal and as they're taking the Passover meal or enjoying it, Jesus pauses and he takes the bread and he breaks it and says, this is my body broken for you. At the end of the meal, he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood poured out so that you can have a new relationship with God. He leads them in what becomes known as the communion meal. In the middle of that meal, Jesus calls out Judas who's gonna betray him and Judas gets up and leaves now you can start to feel a little bit of tension in the room. The disciples are a little confused and going, wait, what? What's happening? Who's betraying who? And there's a restlessness, a stirring, a fear 
As Jesus continues to teach and talk, he finishes with the meal and communion. The next couple of chapters that are recorded in the Bible, particularly in the Gospel of John, are called his farewell discourse. He's leaving. He's getting ready to be crucified. And so the teaching is his teaching before he's crucified. And in that, he's encouraging them. He calls them his dear children. He says, I love you. Don't let your heart be troubled. I will not leave you as orphans, right? Like you can get this feeling of the way Jesus is speaking, that he's aware of their fear. He's aware of their tension. He's aware of their worries, and he's trying to prepare them. And in his preparation, they get up from the upper room, and they they leave, and they go for a walk. They're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is going to pray and sweat blood. Father, if there's any way you could take this cup from me, that this drinking of judgment for sin. We'll get to that in a moment. Before Jesus gets to the Garden of Gethsemane, they walk by a, a vineyard where Jesus pauses. But you can see the, the attitude. He's trying to prepare them. He's trying to challenge them because he's leaving and he wants them to know what it's like, how God wants to work in their life, what God is doing, how they can be ready for this trouble in a world that's not always as it should be. And so he pauses and he looks at the vine and you can see Jesus walking up to to this cultivated vineyard. He goes up to one, maybe he puts his hand on it and and he begins to talk and he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In the, in the spring, a vine keeper, somebody who's tending to the vineyards, would trim off all the excess growth because vines will produce, the branches of a vine will produce more growth than they can sustain, and it will actually ruin the harvest. And then after the harvest, and when the cold weather hits, you get it, um, and everything goes dormant, then the vine dresser, the vine keeper comes and clips off almost all of the growth cuts it back to just bare minimum. And in your life, there is a spring cutting and there is a winter pruning. There's a time when God wants to trim off the excess and there's a time when God cuts us back to the bare essentials. And the key is this. What is Jesus getting at as he's starting his teaching, looking at the vine and the branch? Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. My father's the gardener. What is he getting at in your life? How how does this apply? Here's what he's saying. Would you trust God and would you invite God to do his work in your life? Would you allow God, and more than just allow him, would you invite God to do his work in your life? Right, The branch doesn't know what's excess and what's not. Gardener does. So you and I have to invite God to do his work in our life. We understand that we are attached to the vine and our life is not our own. And so we have to trust God to do what he needs to do in our life. Here, here's a t- challenge that we are not yet what we were meant to be. Hopefully you can agree with that, right? Like I am not yet what I need to be. I'm not the man I should be. 
Maybe you're not the woman you should be. You, you don't always talk the way you should talk, right? You don't always act the way you, like you, you and I are not yet who we could be, who we should be. And then there is a, a bigger problem. As Jesus is speaking, he says he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Well, there, there's two reasons why a branch will not produce a harvest. We're going to get to one in just a moment. It's about the idea of rotten fruit, fruit that gets ruined. But then there's branches that just produce no fruit at all. Now, I just recently, a couple years ago, planted a grapevine in my backyard, kind of want to create a little bit of Italy in my backyard. And so we have the little, the little lights for the patio. And, and, and after I planted it, now the vine is growing and it's growing out on all the little light uh, strings. Looks really cool. And, and so this was the first year we got grapes. And I can tell you this, if a, if a part of the branch does not have any leaves and it doesn't produce any grapes, guess what it is? is dead. And guess what you do with dead stuff? You just cut it off. So what Jesus is getting at here is he's saying, if there's a, branch, if there's a piece of a branch or there's a branch that's attached that isn't producing anything, it's because it's already dead and it has to be cut off. It has to be removed. It's in the way. It's destroyed. It's already cut off. And so there's, there's this little check Man, it's my heart dead. Now, here's the deal, right? How would a branch be dead? Well, the only way it's dead is if it's not connected. There's a disconnection between the branch and the vine. The vine is Jesus. You and I, we are branches. The only way that there's no life in us is if there's no connection. And so the severing is just an obvious conclusion to what already is going on. And the reality is every one of us were born separated from God. Gulp. That's right, we were born dead, separated. As a result, we are destined for the severing and a sentencing. Sin is what separates us from relationship with God. It's a a spiritual death. We're cut off from God. And, And the result is not good fruit. We produce the fruit of death because of spiritual Death, sin in us, we produce the fruit of sin, which is just death coming out of a spiritual death. Desires that are different from God's. An attitude and a way of living that's different from God. We create our own junk and then it wrecks us and hurts us and, sent, and is leading us toward a severing and a sentencing, a forever judgment. But God. And this is Jesus on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he is going to pray, as I said, God, Father, if there's any way you could take this cup from me, what's the cup? It's a metaphor for Jesus drinking all of the judgment against sin. Imagine everything you and I have done wrong. Imagine every courtroom and every sentencing, all of the guilt, all of the shame being poured into a giant cup. And Jesus says, Father, if there's any other way to rescue your children, let's do that. But not my will, what you want. When Jesus goes to the cross, he's dying for you and I, for our severing and our sentencing. And as Jesus is beaten, crucified, hung on the cross, as he's hanging there, in his last moments, he's preparing to die. And what does he say? It is finished. The last drop has been drunk. There's no more. There's nothing more I could do to take any more 
of your shame and guilt or your sentencing. It's all gone. For anyone who believes in Jesus by faith, Jesus absorbed your judgment. He took your death sentence on himself. He died in your place. When you believe in Jesus by faith, you are forgiven, guilt and shame removed. But here's the amazing thing about believing in Jesus. We believe that Jesus not only died for our severing and our sentencing, but we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We don't just believe it. He did. He's alive. He rose miraculously, supernaturally, physically, and victoriously from the dead so that you and I could not only be forgiven, but where there was death, the branch that was dead and deserved to be cut off, you know, it begins. I got to tell you a story. This is once in a lifetime story. In fact, it's right now, it's the mystery of our home. We have no idea how. So Laura and I, back on November 19th, we, ce- we celebrated our 30th dating anniversary. Isn't that incredible? She was five when we started dating. <laughs> so we, I, throughout the years, Laura's on to don't buy me flowers. But I, I feel like I, I gotta, you got to get her a flower no matter what, right, guys? Like, it doesn't matter. You, ha- you better bring it. If they say, no, 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 I don't really want that, you better bring it. So what I've learned, though, is Laura's frugal. And so what I do is I buy one flower, one rose. So I bought Laura a rose for our anniversary, November 19th. Of course, it dies eventually, right? This, we left it on uh, the little shelf right in front of our kitchen sink. Little ro- roses there. Don't ask us how. This rose has sprouted new growth. The entire rose is wilted and dead, but it's got leaves growing out of it. I mean, new stuff, little branches growing. And every time we look at it, we're like, what in the world? What is that thing? Like, it's gotta be GMO. I mean, it's gotta be, right? Like, I'm telling you, I don't even know. I would be very curious if anybody else has ever had this happen. Like, I've bought a lot of roses. I've never had one spontaneously start to grow on its own. Once you cut it off, it's done. So Laura thinks that it's a statement about our, our relationship, that there's new life. And I don't know why we th- she thinks we were just dried up and dead. But, <laughs> but anyway, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Here we were cut off, severed, no life. And then the life of Jesus starts flowing into us and new growth starts to happen. New things start to emerge out of our life. A life that previously didn't exist begins to grow. And maybe a little, like, a little bit like in my home, it makes no sense. You can't explain it. You can't define it. You just look at it and go, wow, that's really cool. That's amazing. I hope that people are looking at your life and that's what they say. Look, if that's where you're at right now, where you're spiritually dead, separated from God, but you believe that Jesus died for you, that he rose for you, you want to be forgiven of your sin, and you want new life growing inside of you. If that's you, there's nothing you can do. The only thing you can do is receive. You receive forgiveness through faith in Jesus. You receive new life through believing in Jesus, and if that's where you're at today, just let somebody know. Let a friend know. Let a coworker know. Let your family know. Let us know. We'll put a QR code up on the screen that you can scan. And when you fill it out, uh, one of our pastors will follow up with you here. Pastor Spencer will follow up with you just to encourage you 
and cheer you on as you begin a new journey in relationship with God. Now, you believe in Jesus. You're, you're forgiven. You're given new life. New little shoots are starting to grow out of you. A, a branch that was previously dead and deserving of being cut off begins to produce new life where you thought it was impossible. Then what? Ah, many of you, that's where you're at right now. What I notice, though, is this. You don't immediately begin to look a lot like Jesus, do you? You don't instantly become, you know, your words don't just immediately only sound like the way Jesus would talk. Your attitude isn't only always the way Jesus would react, is it? You don't go to work and suddenly become Jesus. Now, that would be nice, but it's a little different for you and I, isn't it? And so Jesus says it this way. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Talked about that. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This word pruning is, remember Jesus, when, when this is recorded, it's written in Greek. And the word prune that we have in English is the word like clean. He cleans every branch. So it's a combination of two ideas of cleansing and cutting. A rinse and a trim. You like that? Do you see that? So the practical application of this is gonna be rinse and trim, clean and cut. So let's start with the, where he started with, let's start with the cutting. Because we're gonna talk about the cleansing in just a moment. Um, so here's the point, right? The, the Father God is gonna get into your life and in the spring, there's gonna be a whole bunch of growth. Your life will produce more. You will begin to do things. You do, do, do. I already talked about that, right? We do so much that some of it has to get clipped off because you will get so busy and so preoccupied, so distracted that some of what you're producing, some of what's growing out of you needs to get cut off of you or it will wreck you. So what do you do? You trust the pruning from the hands of a good gardener. You have to trust that the good gardener God is pruning you for what's best. Now look, I, I cut my boy's hair, but I'm certainly not a good barber. So what do I do? I go to the barber. I did it yesterday. But when I go to the barber, I tell him kind of generally how, what I say, you want to know how, this is how dumb I am. I go like this. Um, just make me look handsome. And then he goes, Patrick, that ain't gonna happen. But I'll make it as good as I can. I'll give you my best, right? And, and here's the thing, right? I, I can't do it. I can't do it for myself. Some of you, you can, but I can't. And so what do I do? I have to trust the barber to do what's best. Do you trust the Father to do what's best in your life? When he starts cutting and trimming, when he starts nipping and niggling, getting into places where you don't really want him to go, isn't that what an editor does? If you've ever written a paper and you ask somebody to edit it, don't, isn't that what they do? They start, they start getting into places where you don't really want them messing. You're like, hey, that was my writing. And, and now you're trying, to, you're trying to mess with it. Like, Why'd you put the common air? Why'd you put that there? Why'd you word it this way? And, and you start to feel uncomfortable. I don't really want you messing with the way I, and I'm, I'm real protective of the way I write. 
And so if somebody starts getting in and they start niggling, they start messing around with the way I write, I start to go, no, no, if you do that, you're changing the way I wrote it. But in our life, God gets into places we don't really want him to get into. And he starts changing things around and says, no, 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 it doesn't belong there. It goes over here. And if, and if you think about it like spring growth, here's what happens. Your life, you will get so busy and so active and you'll start doing so much that God's got to get in and he's got to start nipping and clipping and trimming. Be honest. There's some stuff in your life that needs to get clipped off. There's habits and attitudes. There's ways of speaking. There's behaviors. There's busyness and distractions that God needs to begin to clip away from your life. You don't need to be doing everything you're doing, and not everything you're doing is for your best. And so God needs to trim it, right? The key here is this. God can only prune out what's growing from. So the idea of pruning is God clipping away growth. Why? Because just because it's growing does not mean it will produce grapes. Growth doesn't equal grapes. And the goal of the gardener is to maximize the fruitfulness of the branch. God's purposes in your life is to maximize the fruitfulness of your life. And if you have too much growth, if there's too much going on, the, little, the grapes that are growing will be weakened and, and useless. The point is this, not everything that you're doing will produce the best fruit. And so a lot has to get trimmed off. Would you trust and invite the pruning from the hands of a good gardener? What in your life needs to be trimmed off? And then I mentioned that in the fall or in the winter, after everything goes dormant, the, the gardener will come and just clean off all of the growth and leave the branch, the branch bare. There are times in your life when God begins to strip and cut and remove all the good stuff and you're down to the essential. You go, what's going on here? Would you trust God and invite God even to cut things back to the essentials? That's, that's why during this season of, uh, as we begin the new year, each year our church goes in time of fasting and prayer. And part of the goal of that is we, we give up certain appetites certain things that we are used to enjoying as a way to remind, remind ourselves that God is the most essential. I, I want to love God the way I crave coffee, right? I, I want to I desire God the way I desire those sweets. And so we strip it all down in order to focus on God as the most essential. What in your life, so this is the challenge, right? Would you, would you let God speak to your heart right now? What does he want to trim off? What does he want to cut away? What habits are getting in the way of God's best? What attitudes, what behaviors, what, what hobbies, what lifestyle habits are literally hindering God's best and the grapes growing from your life? And then you gotta read one more verse. He goes like this. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. What did Jesus just do a few moments ago? He just washed their feet as a picture, right? It, it needed to be done, but Jesus doing it, he says, if I, if I came and washed your feet and I'm your master, how much more should you wash each other's feet? So, so obviously it's this foot washing picture. And then later in the, in the vineyard, he says, you're already clean because of my word that's in you. Because of the growth, branches get heavy and the winds come and they can fall off the trellis. They can break free from the trellis. They're tied up. 
And if they break free from the trellis, they'll fall down on the ground. And well, what's on the ground? The dirt and the mud. And so then the, the branch gets muddy and dirty. It becomes um, easily acceptable to the insects that are on the ground. It becomes vulnerable to disease. And any grapes that are on the branch already, when it falls to the ground, they begin to rot. You with me so far? So the branch, if it stays on the ground, will have rotten fruit, fruit that is of no use. So now you begin to look at your life and go, is there anything that I'm doing that every good thing that comes out of me gets sabotaged? It's like I'm trying to do the right thing, and then I say the wrong thing. That's, that's branches that have fallen on the ground, and they get dirty. They get muddy. They get nasty. They need some scrubbing. And some of you, you, like, you, don't, you don't mind the idea of getting a shower as long as it doesn't require any scrubbing. Some of you, if you're like me, you've gotten hurt once in a while and, and something, there was dirt deep down under in the wound and it had to get scrubbed out and that hurts. But the hurt is for your good because if it doesn't get washed out and scrubbed out, it will get infected. And so you know where I'm going with this. Are you willing are you welcoming his cleaning and his cleansing work in your life? Are you welcoming God's cleaning and cleansing work in your life? His, his snipping and his scrubbing. Are you willing to allow God to scrub some things? Here, here's the thing. Here's how you know the difference. Washing is the stuff that gets on you. Let me give you an illustration of what gets on you. Um, one of our sons, he picked up the word idiot, and everyone and everything is an idiot. And it just sounds bad coming out of a four-year-old's mouth. And so guess what we have to do? You gotta, you gotta scrub that and wash that off. Now I don't mean we're scrubbing his mouth out with soap, although maybe that would work. Um, now I'm thinking about it. No, so we have to discipline him over and over and over and over. No, you don't say that. You don't talk like that. And he just, oh. And so what are we doing? He picked it up. And now we got to wash it off. You've picked up some things. You pick up things from the movies and entertainment you watch. You pick up things from the people you hang around. You pick up things from the world we live in, and it gets on you, and it sticks to you. But man, when God looks at you, it's a stain. And easy is scrubbed off. Here's what I know. Just like if you get grass stains on your clothes, there is a need for it to be washed. There is stains that attach themselves to our souls. And God's spirit wants to come and scrub and wash that sin stain out of our lives. Are you willing to submit and welcome the spirit to come and wash and cleanse, cleanse dirt off, cleanse the mud and muck off, the stuff in your life that does not please God, the sin in your life that has stuck itself to you, but it's, it's gonna separate you from relationship with God and it's gonna ruin the fruit, the good fruit that he's producing in your life. Are you willing to submit under the, the scrubbing work of God who loves you? He, every one of us here have fallen into the dirt. And you know what? The, here's the thing about this. I did some research on this. Branches are so precious that a vine keeper doesn't go over with a saw and just go <laughs> and burn it. The only branches they burn are dead ones. If you have fallen... You know what the vine keeper does? He comes and he lifts it. 
and he ties it back up because it's valuable. This is the resources. This is the value of the vineyard on the branch. You are precious to God. You are loved by God. God sees you as valuable, and he doesn't just cut you off when you fall in the mud. He wants to lift you up. He wants to tie you back up and secure you to himself. He wants to hold you and help you. He wants to wash you and scrub you. He wants to clean off the filth of your life so that you can produce good fruit and so you can be healthy. Where do you need to allow God to come in and begin to wash? Maybe he needs to wash your mouth out with some soap. I know that's like an old school thing. I don't know if, hopefully, I don't even know if anybody does that before, but uh, you, you watch the Christmas story, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, there's some things he's got to wash. Maybe your mouth needs to be cleaned up the way you speak. Maybe, maybe you've picked up some bad habits. Maybe you've let some sin attitudes attach themselves to you. Maybe you've you started to believe some things that don't belong. Maybe there's some doubts or fears that have stuck to you, and God just wants to wash that off of you. He, he, here's the thing. If all of this is, is just, you know, he wants to cut and clean, it feels like punishment. But that's not God's intention. John 15, verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. It's an intimate connection. It's about abiding in relationship with God. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, it's about God wants to do a work in your life that can only happen as he rinses and trims, as he cleans and cuts. The point is, God's work in you is both preparation and a promise. He, he, all of that, that needling and prodding and cutting and trimming and rinsing and cleansing and scrubbing, it's all for a purpose. It's preparation. It, it's, it's the promise that something better is coming. Every time God nips something out of your life, just tell yourself, it's for something better. Some of you are holding on to things that God wants to cut out of your life, and the reason you're holding on to it is because you think this is the best you're ever gonna get. If God wants to remove it, it's because he has something better for you. Stop holding on to the very things that are sabotaging God's best for your life. Would you let go, trust God, because in that rinsing and trimming, in that cleaning and cutting, there is a promise that God has something better. And so all of this is preparation for God's best, for fruitfulness, for his good to be produced in your life. Where do you need to just trust God? Invite God. Invite the, the clippers to trim and to cut. You need to invite God to come and scrub and wash some things out of your heart and life, out of your soul. Would you welcome that work in your life? Now, I mentioned about Jesus giving the Last Supper and then going to the Garden of Gethsemane. I mentioned that he gave them communion. And today, as you came in, and those of you joining us online, hopefully you've had a moment to get ready for communion. God, you can take out that cup. You're just going to look at it right now. What's going on here? It's an ancient practice started by Jesus. He said this. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. At the end of the meal, he said, took the cup. This is my blood spilled out so you can have a new relationship with God. A relationship based not on religion and on your best effort, but on the promise of Jesus' death and his resurrection. So he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. So today, 
as you prepare for communion, what I want you to do is this. If you believe in Jesus, you don't have to be part of LifeHouse. If you believe in Jesus, you're invited to join us in communion. But take a moment. Would you invite God? As we go into this song, would you invite God to wash, to cleanse, to trim, to cut? If there's anything getting in the way of your relationship with him, would you let him clean that up right now so that you can, you can be in right relationship with God? And, and, and then we're gonna come and lead you in taking this communion, all right? Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.